All right, all right, all right. We are going to get rolling because we have got another service after this one. We'll do a fun little tight turnaround. Is that good there? You want it on the front corner? There it is. Now, I'm not, Jason, I'm not supposed to come pop out of this, am I? Okay, good. Just making sure because I don't think I'd fit in there at all. That would be scary, yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to do a short introduction um, because many of you have already heard Pastor Jason preach before. Uh, but uh, Pastor Jason has been in church ministry for, it says, 35 years, which we like born and just out of the womb. Nice. That's impressive. Nursery to today. Here he is. Now, how many of the young ladies on the front, including Mama, uh, were, are, are part of the, of the, the Turner family? All of you? Like, there's four? Wow. Holy smokes. That was so fun. That was so fun. Uncle Ann, there you go. I like that. I love it. Well, um, so uh, Christian Faith Fellowship has been here in Chandler, Arizona for, is it five years now? Going on six years, planted over here off of Alm School and Warner. Um, you may have driven by it and uh, not noticed, but it is in, if you know where Zia Records is, it's right upstairs there. Um, we want to go over and worship with them sometime, but uh, he says when they get a bigger space, then we will join that away. How's that sound, Hope? We'll join them over there. That'll be really fun. But I, I tell you, I am so excited to have Jason preach today, not just because he's an amazing preacher, which he is, one of my favorites. Uh, he's a good man. He's a good friend. He's the kind of pastor that I can just be my goofy, stupid, ridiculous, nonsense self with, uh, and he's still my friend anyway. And so I have a deep love for my brother, Jason Turner, and I'm excited to hear what he is bringing this morning. So both churches, will you welcome our brother, pastor, and friend, Jason Turner? morning everybody how's everybody doing good now I need y'all to do me a favor I have been traveling literally we just we literally flew in this morning from Chicago uh, my wife and I we are extremely uh, exhausted and uh, so I need you all to just pray my strength can y'all pray my strength I heard amens on this side I didn't hear nobody on this side they're like hey you you on your own man you shouldn't so I need y'all to pray my strength Oh, yes, I'll, I'll probably need one of those. So I, I don't have a lot of time this morning. If you want to hear this message better, uh, come back next service. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a, a truncated, uh, that's funny, truncated version uh, of this message. Um, I remember when I was 11 years old, and uh, back then, uh, I was what was called a latchkey kid. Does anybody know what a latchkey kid is? Yeah, good. And, uh, and so it means I had a key on a latch that was around my neck. And so that key uh, gave me access to our home because my mom was a hardworking single mother. And when we got home from school, uh, she was not there. So we were responsible to take our key, unlock the door, lock the door back, do what we need to do. 
On this particular day, I lost my key. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know where, where the key was. So when I came home, I wasn't able to get into the house. Now, as an 11-year-old, what does an 11-year-old go do? Well, when you're panicking, because you got to remember, this is before cell phones. This is before the ability to pick up a phone and FaceTime or call. My only phone was inside the house that was locked. Are y'all still with me? So I had to go to my best friend's house, and I went to his house, and when I got over there, I forgot about the fact that I should have called my mom, because I was 11 years old. I got with my friend, and we started playing, having a blast, and didn't, didn't even consider the time. I was with his mom, and uh, his mom said, are you guys hungry? Of course, I'm 11. I'm always hungry. She drove us to Burger King. I got the, 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 you know, the crown that you get at Burger King. And I had my sandwich and we're eating and having a great time. And then his mom says, hey, let's go to Child's World. Child's World was like a, uh, uh, a Toys R Us in our community. And I was like, sure, what 11-year-old would say no to going to a place that's designed just for them? So we got in the car and we drove to Child's World, which wasn't far from where we lived, and we were there having a blast. But I, I caught a glimpse of outside, and I realized that it was now dark. The sun had gone down. And when I went in, the sun was up. And so now I'm a little bit concerned because I'm like, hey, I need to get back to my mom. And so I told the lady that I was with, and you would think she would have called my mom, but she didn't. But I was with this lady and lady and my best friend. I said, hey, I, I need to get back home. And so they drove me back home. And when I got to the house, we lived in an, uh, in a, in an apartment complex that was three apartments on one side and three apartments on the other side. And when I walked up the stairs getting ready to buzz the, the, the buzzer so that I could get in my house, I saw that the door was already open and there was people everywhere. There was people everywhere. And, they were, I, and as I started to look, some of them people were from our church. I was like, oh, hey, they're going to mother so-and-so. And, and, oh, that's the deacon of the church. And, oh, wow, my mom must be cooking or something. And I'm walking up the stairs. People are crying. They're praying. I'm like, my God, revival. Something is breaking out. I'm walking up the stairs. And then as I get closer to my house, I, I, I see a police presence. I'm like, oh, oh my, what, what happened? So now I'm concerned for my mom, and I run in, and I say, Mom! And she looks at me with a look that was split with anger and joy. We call it Janger. And she looked at me, and she hugged me very aggressively. Because she was glad to see me, but she was upset that I was gone so long. She said, boy, where have you been? And I said, mama, I was with so-and-so. We got something to eat. And, the, and then the mother who I was with, she's now apologizing and crying because she's realizing the magnitude of what is taking place. 
I'm still flabbergasted. I don't understand what's going on. There's so many people there. They're loving on me and they're hugging me. They're asking me, am I hungry? Well, I just ate Burger King, but sure, I'm 11. I'm hungry again. And I'm sitting there at the table. People are all around me crying and, 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 and I'm eating and, and, and my sister is looking at me like you nincompoop. And I'm just, I'm just like, what is going on? And it dawned on me, it dawned on me in that moment. It dawned on me only in that moment. This one truth, that it wasn't until I was found that I realized I was lost. It wasn't until they embraced me and brought me in and loved on me and asked me was I hungry. It wasn't until that happened. It wasn't until they found me that I then realized to them I was lost. So what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today is a topic that is called lost and found. Turn to your neighbor and say lost and found. Go with me in your Bibles to Luke 15, 6 through 7. And for the sake of time, as soon as it gets on the screen, I'm going to start reading. Luke 15, 6 through 7. It says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. The whole book, uh, excuse me, not the whole book, but the whole chapter of Luke 15 is talking about lost items. It starts off talking about a lost sheep. It then starts talking about a lost coin. And then the end of the chapter talks about a lost son. This is Jesus doing something that is unconventional in his teachings throughout the Bible. He is giving multiple angles of the same principle at the same time because he wants to make sure that no matter where you were, no matter where you are in society, that you would not lose this principle. So whether you were a blue-collar person and you worked with sheep, he wanted to make sure that you got it. Whether you're a white-collar person and you work with finances, he told you about a coin because he knew you would understand economics. Or whether you were not a blue-collar or white-collar, but you're just a family person, he knew you would understand the familiar relationship between a parent and a child. Because he wanted to make sure that no matter where you were, you didn't walk away from the conversation with him confused by what he was saying. Because this message was too urgent. This message was too important, and he wanted to make sure no matter where you were that you would understand what he was saying. There is an urgency to these scriptures. The urgency in these scriptures is that we have to find the sheep that's lost. It says it in Luke 15 and 4. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep? Now he's talking to people that would understand sheep. You got a hundred sheep and you lose one. What man of you does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Are you here? He didn't say leave the 99 in the city. 
You're leaving the 99 in the wilderness. They are still in a, uh, 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 could be a potentially dangerous situation, but at least the 99 got each other. I got to leave those who have each other where you could have each other's back and go, bye, some coming up over there. And I got to go find this one that walked off by themselves. He put an urgency to this. Why? Because out of all the animals ever created on this planet called Earth, there's only one of them as dumb as a sheep. Are you here? Giraffes don't have caretakers. They know how to giraffe along, get stuff from high branches, places where can't nobody else reach. You don't see elephants with caretakers. Y'all getting quiet in here. Because they know how to and get what they need. They know how to stomp something out if necessary. So it's not, it's, 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 you don't see it. When is the last time that you saw a tiger with a, well, what well, we did. Yeah. But that went horribly wrong. Why? Because tigers don't need a human to tell it what to do. Tigers, if you leave them alone, they go tiger all by themselves. But the sheep is the only one that needs a shepherd. Sheep is the only one that needs a shepherd. And Jesus compares us to sheep. That no matter how good we may look, he is letting us know we are in need of a shepherd. We call Jesus the good shepherd or the great shepherd. Shepherd of what? Us, the dumb sheep. Y'all still here? No matter how many degrees you got, you still dumb. Oh, don't throw nothing at me. I just... No matter how pretty you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter how big your house is, to Jesus, you're still in the category with the rest of us that's gone bad just like you. And we're all in need of the same thing. One of the reasons, and I don't have time to get into it right now, but one of the reasons that sheep need a shepherd, and one of the reasons that there was such an urgency that Jesus had telling them this story that the shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one, because sheep have an inability to sense and to diagnose danger. They're just, they're just incoherent of it. Sheep will walk right up to a wolf to sniff it. Instead of realizing this wolf wants some Euros, sheep. Euros are made out of, okay. I want to make sure. Only animal that is unaware of danger. And we're just like that in the church or in the body of Christ. We, for whatever reason, will wander away from the 99 because we've been offended, because we're bothered, because we don't like the new paint color that has been decided is gonna paint the hallway. We, we don't like the pictures that's going up. We don't like Pastor Doug, the shirt he wore last week was too loud. And now we're offended and we're walking away from the 99 
And we get so offended that we stay home one week, then it becomes two weeks, then it becomes three weeks. We don't realize the danger that we're in because we're away from the rest of the sheep. And so Jesus says concerning that one, it's not okay that they're missing. He's telling those that are in the 99. He's telling those that are responsible for the ones that are found. He's telling them that it's not okay that you have 99% success and you're okay with 1% being gone. Because to Jesus, every person matters because they are not a number. They belong to him. And for us to discard people as if they are garbage, because they no longer fit our agenda, they're no longer on our team, because they said something negative about us, is not the way that Christ would have us to handle each other. You must not remember that you at one point were the one. Are y'all here today? We can be the 99 for so long that we forget that one day we were the one. And somebody had to come find us. Somebody had to come get us. Somebody had to do whatever was necessary to let us know you cannot be out here by yourself. You need the company of believers. You need the saints. You need to be connected to the church. You need to be in the kingdom. It's not okay for you to be an island unto yourself. That's not how God designed you. He designed you to be a part of the body. He didn't design a body and then you... He designed the body. So when there's a piece of it gone, there's a problem. And the problem that the church is having today is that we no longer have an urgency about the things that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are urgent about. I remember one time walking into Hobby Lobby with myself, my wife, and... uh, my four daughters. And uh, we go to Hobby Lobby because you know that's God's frame store. Y'all didn't know that? So, so if you want frames, you go to Hobby Lobby. God is, okay. So we went to Hobby Lobby and uh, it was things were on sale because we had been watching the paper waiting for prices to drop. Things were on sale. So we're in Hobby Lobby and I'm excited because I like stuff at Hobby Lobby. My wife is excited, too, because she likes stuff at Hobby Lobby. So when we get in Hobby Lobby, it's like meeting at the door, and we come together and say, now, on three, we're going to go. Ready? One, two, three, go. And we take off different directions. Now, because I'm a male lion like I am, I took off with no kids. (laughs) Find your mama. Go be with her. But mama took off, and we didn't have all the kids we thought we had. When we get back together, there's supposed to be six of us. We do head counts because there's so many of us. One, two, three, four, five. Where's Abigail? Abigail is our youngest, and at that time she was what? How old? Three or four years old. Because she liked Hobby Lobby too. And so we realize that Abigail was lost. 
She knew where she was, but we didn't know where she was. Are you here? In that moment, my heart stopped. In that moment, everything in time slowed down. Because my focus was to find my daughter that was lost. If my eldest had came to me in that moment and said, hey dad, uh, what are we going to eat later on? We would consider that to be insensitive. How could you bring up a personal need during such a time of crisis? You are concerned about how to fill your belly when your sister is missing. Are you all here? And this is the very thing that we do with our Heavenly Father. We're coming to him asking him about houses and cars and things and stuff. When he's saying to you, where is your sister? Where is your brother that you haven't seen in 10 weeks? Why is it okay with you that he's missing and all you want to come to me about is not about a prayer concern for him or for her, but a prayer concern about you? you you're misunderstanding. Yes, I love you. Yes, I'm concerned about you. But you're part of the 99. I got you. I'm concerned about the one that's lost. See, we need in the church to change our focus. There has to be an urgency for people. Look at the empty seats in this place. I know it's nine o'clock. <laughs> but how could we, what could we do about filling this place up with people, with brothers and sisters that are lost, that were found, but that are now lost? What can we do about it? We've got to take a personal responsibility that is not something that, well, we're waiting for vision to come from pastor. No, you have to get on your face and say, God, what is it you would have me to do about the brother and sister that's on my heart that I no longer see? Are you still here? Listen, let me show you what God's focus is. Go with me real quick, and I'm running out of time. i got 10 minutes left. Go with me to 1 Timothy 2 and 4. I want you to see what God's focus is. 1 Timothy 2 and 4, he desires all men to be what? Saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he's not cool with half of y'all being saved and the other half not. He's not cool with the people that you like being saved, but the ones that did you wrong, them not being saved. He's not cool with your enemies not being saved. Y'all quiet in here today, but I can get louder before I sit down. He's not good with that. And we can't be okay with letting certain people go to hell because they deserve it. When our father says, I'm not good with it, my desire is that all men be saved. Go to Luke 19, 9 through 10. Luke 19, 9 through 10. And it says, get us to Dorsey. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. What day? Today. So any day you wake up, that's the day of today. It's come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is been going to church for the last 20 years. He didn't come for you. 
because he came for you when you were lost. Now that he got you, you with the 99, he's now concerned about this 1%. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. I, growing up in school, and I've talked about this before in my church, we, we didn't have a whole lot of money. My mom did the best she could do, and she did great in my opinion. But at our school, we would have things that were called a lost and found box. Do y'all remember lost and found boxes? Just a few of y'all. A few of y'all. Did anybody raise your hand? Remember lost and found box? Okay. So lost and found box, for most of the time, it was pretty ragged. But for me, the lost and found box was shopping day. Because we, at our school, we had a sign that says, if your things are not recovered after 30 days, they are gone. Because they couldn't keep holding stuff. And so I would show up on the 31st day to see what had been there and to try to find something that would be of a benefit to me. But a lost and found boxes. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a box. It's nothing complicated, but it's a box that has stuff in there that people have lost. Maybe somebody lost a loofah. I don't... <laughs> Maybe they no longer needed it, and, and so they left it behind. Um, maybe somebody lost a, a book. Maybe they started reading it and it was like, I don't want to, I don't like this on me. Put it away. Maybe somebody lost a shoe. I don't know how you lose a shoe. Was Cinderella at the? No. Um, but they lost a shoe. But there's something else here in this. This oh, this, and this, it's a it's a little teddy bear. Now this teddy bear is beat up. But it's beat up because somebody loved this teddy bear. You see on the back of the teddy bear, there's, there's stitches where you can see that it, that it broke when somebody sewed it back together. Because they, they, were, they were concerned about this teddy bear. They loved this teddy bear. And even though you may come to this box and see this teddy bear and think nothing of it, I want you to know that to somebody, somewhere, this teddy bear is significant. Somebody is looking for this. Are you here? And the reason why somebody is looking for this is because they spend time with it. They went to sleep with it. They cried over it. It comforted them. They walked with it. This is their thing. You, you, you know how it is when you have little babies and they lose that binky or that favorite thing and you got to go find that one because to them it's significant. It may not be significant to anybody else, but to them it means the world to them. Why? Because they spent time with it. And this is the same thing with our God. We are his creation. He spent time with us. We are here because we have been molded and fashioned after him. 
We have been made in his image and likeness. He knows all the bumps and bruises. He knows the stories. He knows where he had to go back in to sew you back together when your heart was broken. And so to somebody else, you may not mean nothing, but I want you to know this morning, to God, you are significant. And just because you may feel lost this morning or lost in this moment, I want you to know that your creator, the one who has spent time making you, has been looking for you. He has left the rest to just find you. And he's not going to stop until he finds you. Are you still here? For the sake of time, I got to cut through the field and come to this last point. And the last point is this. In Luke 15 and 5, I want you to go there for me, media team. Luke 15 and 5. It says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. This is Jesus talking about the sheep that is lost. When that sheep is found, that sheep is picked up off of the ground and put around the shoulders of the shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd wants to talk to the sheep. The shepherd wants the sheep to know, you may have been lost, but I got you now. It may have been dark, but I got you now. You may have felt by yourself, but I found you. Took me longer than what I wanted it to, but I got you now. So let me, as I'm walking you back to the rest of the community, the church and the kingdom, let me whisper in your ear how much I love you, how much I need you, how much you mean the world to me because I know every stitch about you. I know every broken place. I know every place of growth. You are amazing to me. And this is the picture we most often see of Jesus, the shepherd with a sheep that's around his neck. But I want you to go to this last verse and then I'm done. Jesus says this in Luke 15, 6 through 7. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. He can't tell them to rejoice with with him if he's not already rejoicing first. So he's rejoicing before he even gets to other people. Are you here? He's happy because he's got the sheep that was lost around his neck. He says, I want you to rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. The next verse. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner. Now he is comparing the lost sheep to a sinner. There is more joy in heaven. I know the shepherd is happy over the one sheep that is found. But there's more joy in heaven over the sinner. What does it say? The sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. God is grateful for the church service. Because that's where the 99 gather. He's glad you worship him and you learn more about him and you become empowered to go. But where are we going? We have to go to find the 1%. Hey church, this is the new 1%. 
This is the 1% that God is concerned about, that Jesus died for, and that the Holy Spirit moves in you to produce action to get it done. It's not okay that our cousin is lost. It's not okay that our brothers are lost. It's not, listen, it's not okay with God. And if it's not okay with him, how can it be okay with you? We don't have the right to put anyone in a category of saying they're not worth going after or they're not worth being saved because the truth of the matter is you don't get to make that decision because you didn't create them, you didn't make them, you don't know their broken places and if you did, you couldn't fix it. It's your job point them back to Jesus. It's your job to pick them up if necessary and to speak love into their ear as you carry them back to the fold, to the church, to the community, to the house of God, to the feet of Jesus. That's what's lost. But now we've got to be the ones that say, hey God, I'm willing to go find it. I'm willing to go find that which is lost. If I never make it on the big stage, that's cool. Let me find the one that's lost. And let me start in my house. Before I save the world, let me go and save. Let me go and save. Help to save and rescue the ones that are in my house profit a man to gain the whole wide world but to lose his soul. What does it profit you to go to heaven and you brought others from across the world but you lost your house? You lost your house? Your kids didn't make it? Your spouse is lost and it's okay with you? It can't be. We have to have an urgency to pray differently to seek differently, to get on our face differently, to go after God differently. The same way you go after God for stuff, how about we go after God that way for people? Are you all here? There's so much more I wanna say. I don't have the time to say it. Come back next service, I'll have more time. But stand to your feet as we pray very quickly. Father, I've done what you told me to do. This is the message you wanted me to deliver. And God, I pray that this is resonating in the hearts and in the minds of your people. That it's important that we see how you see. And what you see are your children that are lost. What you see are the ones that you, are, that you created that are apart and away from you. So God, I pray, help us to see like you see. Help us when we go to Starbucks and when we see that barista that is pouring our coffee and she looks depressed and she looks sad. Help us to not just be so concerned about the speed of the coffee that we forget about the importance of her life. Help us to be used by you to maybe sow a seed or to water what is there. Help us to see the loss that are all around us. God, we thank you because we're found. But now we have a responsibility to go find others. And Father, we thank you that from this day forward, 
That's exactly what we're going to do. And we give your name the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, let every glad heart say amen. amen. You were blessed by that word. Put your hands together. Let's give our God some praise for what we heard today. Amen.